It's that time again. We're going to talk about webcomics and money. Specifically, is the webcomic business model still viable in 2015? We've done podcasts before dealing with webcomics and money, and some of you really appreciated those, and some of you felt that we were talking out of our asses. Cam won't be joining me today as she's very busy, but we will be joined by Brady Dale from the New York Observer, who will be talking to us about uh, his predictions for webcomics going forward. Stick around. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Tom Pratt. And uh, with me today is a very special guest. We have Brady Dale, who is a tech journalist for the New York Observer. Uh, he's also written for publications such as Fortune and Motherboard, among others. Uh, Brady, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, really looking forward to this uh, conversation. We sort of uh, 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 got talking on Twitter a couple of weeks ago about a series of articles you did for the observer about the uh, the changing business model of web comics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a, it was a, it was great to get to talk to a bunch of the the biggest names in web comics. Uh, that was exciting for me. Yeah. So how did how did let's let's backtrack a little bit. How did you uh, become interested in web comics? Well, I've been a I've been a comic fan since like I don't know the second grade. I mean, I have I actually been trying to sell them right now. I have thousands and thousands of comic books, uh, so I was always interested in the form. And you know, kind of in my college years, kind of got more interested in the whole indie comics thing. You know, moving. Oh, I, I still like superheroes, but like in addition to superheroes and stuff, uh, moving over to you know following the whole indie comics thing. Uh, you know, the, um, the top shelf comics and, and, uh, the fanographic stuff and all that. But then like in uh, a few years ago, it started to sink in that more and more people, and I think I was a little bit late to it, to this, but I started to sink in that more and more people were, um, reading comics that were distributed for free on the web and that there was this huge diversity. You know, some of them looked a lot like newspaper strips and then, um, some of them were kind of all over the place, like these big long comics. Some of them were narrative, some of them were different every day. And, um, what, I didn't, I honestly didn't get super into it until, uh, I started making one myself. I had always kind of dabbled in making comics and, um, I sort of had this idea that maybe if I could make a comic that was semi-popular, I could, I could, uh, I have, you know, I could sell some of the stuff that I was writing on the side. That was sort of my idea using that, that business model of you develop a following with a web comic and then you make money off of it by selling stuff. I wasn't going to sell t-shirts. I was going to sell like eBooks and stuff. Um, but, uh, it didn't exactly work out, but I did it, I did do it for, uh, two years and, you know, my drawing got a lot better. It was, uh, it was fun while it lasted. Um, but because of that, I, you know, I, I started reading a lot of web comics and became familiar with a lot of them, met some people in the scene. And then as I, as I transitioned into becoming a technology journalist, you know, I continued to keep an eye on web comics and, um, decided to do this. I, well, the first thing in the, the, I first did a story uh, a little while before where I interviewed G Casey Green, who okay. used the webcomic yeah. uh, Gun Show. Mm -hmm. And uh, Casey, you know, my interview with him was about like, wow, you canceled, you killed Gun Show. And like, <laughs> that made him famous, you know, like, that's crazy. Um, and so I started talking about why he did that. 
and that was a pretty popular story and it raised a lot of interesting questions and so um and then i did another story where um the amazing superpowers guys um i found that they they weren't really this was one of the funniest one of the most consistently funny comics um and you if you've read that web comic uh, you can make certain judgments about me. Mm. They're, they're very dark kind of yeah, humor. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I really liked it. And uh, But it was surprising. They kind of had quit updating very much. Like, they still update, but just not very much. And I, I reached out to them to find out why, and they said it's because they're kind of moving into, uh, well, not kind of, they are largely moving into making mobile games. Mm. And um, so I got interested in that. And I just sort of, I, I, it just, I just realized that, I mean, people are still making comics on the web. You know, that isn't going to change. There's still lots of them out there. Uh, the form is evolving. But uh, among the pe- I, I started to see that among the people who had kind of, who had gotten famous making comics on the web, mm-hmm. a lot of them appeared to be making decently large pivots in the way that they made money off of it. And I thought that was a, a decent trend to start to pursue. So I, I reached out to a bunch of big famous web comic artists mm-hmm. Not all of them got back to me, but enough of them did uh, that I was, yeah, I was able to do this four-part story that, that went pretty deep on the topic. It started with this story called, I think, um, The Web Comics Industry is Moving On from Web Comics. I think yeah. that was the first one. Yeah. Yeah, and that seems that, – that's the one that actually caught uh, uh, my attention um, because, I mean, this is something that – I mean, again, this is something I can't really you know quantify it. But, but really, my wife and I have been feeling this for a few years now. That it just seems like – uh, those who are going to stay in the, uh, the the online comics game, they're either changing their business model or they're just getting into another industry entirely. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah, and like there's two ways of looking at it. You know, like I really intentionally focused only on big famous web comics for this. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was uh, you know a decision I made for the story. Like I wanted to talk to the people who really had proven uh, that you could make money this way and see what I could learn from them. And, you know, there's two ways you could look at it. I mean, you could say, like, uh, you know, neither rock music nor movies are going anywhere. And yet J-Lo did one first. I think it was movies. I'm not really sure. And then she did the other as well. And that didn't mean that she did it because um, either rock music or movies, maybe pop music is what I think I should say, pop music or movies was going anywhere. It was just that she was famous enough that she could do more things. And I think you definitely see that with some of the, some of the web comics creators, like they mm. just had enough clout in the world that people, other people wanted to work with them. But I also think that, and I, and I think that's true for a lot of these guys and women. I mostly talk to guys. I really mm. I tried to reach some of the women sort of failed. Um, but um, uh, I do think that there are things about the nature of the web now that aren't, maybe not quite forcing them to, but giving them a very strong incentive to diversify their income streams. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be, I mean, uh, yeah, I think 2015, we're in a much different place than we were in 2005 and certainly, uh, 2000, uh, you know, as far as, as a way to, uh, reach people and, and monetize your content on the internet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does seem like, at least from where I'm sitting, uh, you know, social media seems to be playing a, a large part in that YouTube and Facebook and, and all of these things that, that weren't around when uh, web comics began. Yeah, I think that's right. And that's something I heard from a lot of people, you know, sort of the, to really oversimplify what folks said to me, but, um, you know, it started out that Facebook and Twitter and all of them were awesome. Uh, I remember John Allison in particular saying, mm-hmm. you know, when Twitter first came along, 
every time somebody tweeted one of his comics, he saw like a little burst in traffic, you yeah. know, and he was like, this is great. Twitter is the best thing ever. And but more and more, it seems like, um, you know, I think it was uh, I think it was I think it was Dave McAlfrick of uh, Sign and Happiness who mm-hmm. said, or maybe it was that was John Allison too, who said that Facebook is some people's Internet. Like they just never leave Facebook. So if it's not, yeah. you know, if it's not on Facebook, they don't go to it. And so like social media, be, social media became social media was at first a real traffic driver. And then it kind of became a bit of a parasite because. Um, it was like at first it convinced everyone to use it because of the traffic thing. And then mm-hmm. once it got everyone using it, it was like, especially Facebook in particular did this. It was like, ha ha, just kidding. We've got everyone on our platform now. We're not, we're no longer sending people out to you. You just need to put everything live on us. And, you know, one of the things I didn't really go into this much in the story, but like you're starting to see, um, actually I, I knew a comic artist, um, in Philadelphia who did the, who was doing this back in like 2011. So I guess he was smart. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is losing me right now, but he was, he didn't have a website. He was only posting his comics to Facebook and, and, and I'm seeing like, uh, there's a decent number of small comics that are posting them, posting strictly to Instagram. Like they don't have a web page. Yep. They're just, they're just going right up onto Instagram. So people are, people are doing that natively, but it gives you, it gives you a lot less control. You can't, you know, you can't get anything from ads really, um, at least at this point. And um, you're limited to their format, you know, so like, you know, like a, a site like Subnormality could never really do that. Right. Um, and uh, so, but, you know, so I, I, I think to me that um, the two biggest, to me, the two biggest trend factors in web comics has been sort of what I think is the parasitic nature of social media for the form. And then, you know, on the flip side, the, the biggest boon, I did it, my second story was about, my second article was about this, is the power of Patreon. You know, um, mm-hmm. Patreon has really um, allowed those people who did manage to build an audience uh, to monetize it in a new way that's much more stable and reliable. And, you know, that's been huge for some of these folks. Now, will anybody be able to do that? going forward, you know, with, with the wet, with the industry, um, so hindered, I, you know, who knows, but, yeah. um, some of these folks have, are going to hold on for longer than they might have been able to once ads and t-shirts died, um, because thanks to Patreon. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. I mean, it seems to be the last few years, it, it really, as far as the web comics, you know, business model, if there actually is a web comics business model, it seems like uh, crowdfunding has definitely, uh, taken hold. And, um, you know, a lot of that, I mean, you talked about ads now. I mean, that's one thing you know, we've run into uh, is the, the rise of the ad blocker. I mean, right. it's definitely hurt a lot of web comics. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and also, I think ads just stopped paying quite as much. Yeah. Too. Um, so, yeah, that that is going to be that's going to be uh, it's going to be painful. Yeah, yeah. This is really fascinating stuff. Um, I, you know, I think at least from from where you know, I'm seeing where a lot of creators are sitting, it's kind of like, you know, you really need to stay on your toes and, and be flexible and be willing to, to try new things, I think, especially with the internet, because it changes so uh, quickly, you know, holding on to a business model that's 10 or 15 years old doesn't really make a lot of sense, you know, but people still do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I don't, I do, I do worry for folks in the future. It has been, it has been super interesting to see some of the things people are trying you know, uh, the Saturday morning breakfast cereal crew is one mm-hmm. that I that I managed to get some communication with, and you know that's a, that is an insanely popular comic, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're being much more philosophical about it. I, you know, it seems like they they told me that their traffic hasn't really uh, fallen 
that much. You know, that seems to be pretty okay on their site, but they're really focused on just on just building up the social. Um, you know, having more Facebook fans and having more um, Twitter followers mm-hmm. and and building up things that way. And you know, they have the Patreon and all that, but uh, they're they're getting into some pretty interesting businesses. And one of the things I like is and and um and the Wondermark uh, fellow spoke to me spoke about this. Um, you know, one of the things I think it's interesting to see is that a lot of these a lot of these companies are starting businesses that aren't at all comics related, and yet you can totally see. Um, the shared sensibility. So, mm-hmm. like um, Saturday morning breakfast cereal, which, like, if you if any of your listeners who've read it, will mm-hmm. this will make sense if you've read it? Um, they're they're starting a single use monocle company. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so saw you that. can like buy these monocles, where I guess if you want to go to a party with a monocle, I don't know. Um, and uh, you know, it's just you you can totally like if you've read that comic mm-hmm. uh you can get why that's something that would make sense to them and and they have a big enough fan base and folks who will think that's funny and maybe kind of fun that they actually will be able to turn a profit um and it really captures sort of the power of the idea of building notoriety and then monetizing that because you right. know i think if someone just came out and was like hey we're making single-use monocles like the, the world would be like yeah we're not really that into that yeah um, but if it's a person who has some credibility and people sort of get the humor of it i think you can you know it's, it's like when david reese um launched his artisanal pencil sharpening service you know like a random guy couldn't have done that but david reese can do it because yeah. they appreciate his humor you know so I think it. I think it captures that as well. And so, and similarly, the um, the amazing superpowers guys, you know, they're moving into mobile video games, but their their games are definitely going to have that are are going to have that like dark humor. And I mean, one of them is about an indestructible running chainsaw uh, that killed everyone it comes in contact with, which is you know. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like yeah, it, do, it does. It does look like. Um... You know, you just have to keep that keep that uh, ball rolling and and build um, a brand, you know, around yeah. your, yourself, your sensibilities, and and know your audience. Um, so, you know, now in the last couple of years, uh, there there's been a rise in uh, mobile webcomic apps like uh, Topostic yeah. and and Line Webtoon, and uh, I think Tokyo Pop has one coming out. And a lot of younger creators seem to be flocking there uh, or Tumblr. I mean, Tumblr obviously uh-huh. has taken off for comics. Uh, do you think the days of the uh, standalone webcomic site are, are coming to a close? I don't know. I, you know, this is, this is a thing. I, this is a larger theme as a, as a tech reporter mm-hmm. uh, that I struggle with. You know, people, there's a lot of folks who like to say that the web is dead um, and, you know, saying that the web is dead makes about as much sense as saying to me, but I could be wrong, but like my instinct on it is that is, it makes about as much sense as saying that like email is dead, yeah. you know, um, like to, it seems to me that if a, if, if a sector isn't growing, then people pronounce it dead. But the <laughs> thing about but what folks forget is like, nearly everyone who is on the internet is already on the web. So like it can't really grow because everyone's already there. Now on the flip side, mobile is growing like crazy. And in many places where it's growing, you like the developing world, um, you know, 
those folks are just completely skipping the whole web phase. They're never mm. going to have a desktop home computer. For them, the Internet is what's on their device. So, like, there, there is a certain logic to it, but it's sort of hard for me to believe that, like, you know, with bajillions of people who come home every night and play on the Internet and, and people like me who stare at the Internet all day at work, that the web is going anywhere. Um, so, but I, I do think, so I don't, I don't know if I think the web is going away, but I, I do think it's going to become harder to build a following with a standalone website. Like it mm -hmm. might be the more the kind of thing where um, it, it might be sort of more kind of thing like like where folks where the where the way it used to work is um, you built up a certain amount of following with a standalone website and that earned you the right to do a Kickstarter that you could reasonably believe would make money or a Patreon that you could reasonably mm -hmm. believe a decent number of people would join in on. It could be that like you build yourself up via social, like your Instagram comic, and once you get a certain following and you know, people, who, people who will respond to calls to action, uh, then you do a website and then you monetize it other ways. But I, 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 just, I, don't, think, I don't think that big web comics down the road are going to become big on the web. That doesn't mean that I don't think the web has any place in the industry of, of comics online anymore. I, I think it probably will, but it'll, it'll really change. It won't, it won't lead it um, going right. forward. Right. Yeah, I see that now. I mean, there are some comics that have popped up in the last uh, a couple of years uh, that seem to exist primarily on you know Facebook or or Tumblr. Um, you know, they don't even have a home site, as it were. Yeah, <laughs> they just sort of like popped up on social media, and they're huge. And I, I wouldn't think it because I'm used to going to someone's website, being like, "Hey, how many you know followers do they have? What's their approximate you know uh, um, uh, hits per month?" And it's hard to do that sometimes with social media. You have to kind of guess like how many followers do they have on Facebook or Twitter or, or whatever. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, the web, uh, the nice thing of the web, not everyone uses this. A lot of people don't use it, but mm. it, it has no constraints. You know, your, your creativity is the most open possible mm -hmm. on the web. So I, you know, hopefully people get that on the flip side, you know, um, another a person can make an argument that that's all true, but, um, constraints can actually be really creatively exciting, you know? So, um, so that's that's also true. So who knows? But um, uh, I, I do think it's fair to say that um, we're not going to see we're, we're going to see the the importance of the web in this medium uh, really diminish. And and you know we 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 probably will also see fewer creators uh, going into web comics because it's not going to be seen as such a huge opportunity at least in the next little bit. I mean, who knows what the next innovation is going to be that will suddenly make it big again. I don't think comics are going anywhere. I think comics are doing really well. Right, right. Uh, it, it's just it's just web comics in particular. You know. And that sort of uh, you know leads me to to my my next uh, point here. It seems like a, a lot of uh, people working professionally in comics now got their start in web comics, and right. some of them still keep a foot in web comics, and others have just completely given up on it and moved into mainstream publishing. Uh huh. Yeah, I think that's one of the interesting things to watch. Is it seems like I think a lot of these folks, even though they're not really making any money at web comics anymore, mm. um, they are still doing it because that's like how they um, uh, that's how they keep you know feeding the engine that keeps them afloat. You know, even if it's mm. not really their main income stream anymore. Um, you know, I have a feeling. You know, my favorite web comic that the only the only web comic that I have consistently read since I quit doing my own, you know, kind of like on the check it every day level is um is John Allison's mm -hmm. uh, 
I get confused about what the title of the comic is. <laughs> it changes every couple of years, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the title, the, the site is scarygoround.com. So bad we'll bad machinery now, I believe, is, is what it is. Yeah, I, is it? I think. Anyway, whatever. So um, it's confusing, but it's a great comic. I mean, yeah. it doesn't, your, reader, your listeners should go check it out if they haven't. But um, I, you know, I think he's such a talented writer that he's just gonna, he's going to get more and more invitations to write things for other publishers. You know, he's doing that mm. one thing for, I think, Oni Press right now. I yeah. may have that yep. wrong, but... Um, I think he's going to get more and more invitations, but I have a feeling that he's he is going to keep, um, you know, feeding his base with that webcomic to some degree for a, a good long time, even if it becomes like three percent of his income. Because you know, similarly, Kate Beaton, she doesn't put that much up anymore, mm-hmm. um, but she does keep you know, and and people bend over backwards to work with her because she's right. so popular and funny. But um, I think similarly, you know, I think she loves doing it, but I also think that she understands that um, that keeps her safe, you know, like it keeps, it it keeps, uh, it keeps her base of fans happy and and they are what make it possible for them to do all the other stuff. So I think that's another role the webcomic plays. Like even if it, even if you aren't making that much money on off of it, it makes lots of other things possible. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I mean, that's a a good point. I mean, it's almost like, uh, you know, they tell uh, uh, prose authors to build that platform and it seems like that that seems to be the case with uh you know for a cartoonist uh your web presence your web comic or or tumblr or whatever it is that you're doing seems to be that uh that key to you know possibly getting people to notice you enough to give you other opportunities yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so um now has there been i mean this is kind of an aside here but uh some folks that have left uh web comics altogether and there there have been a handful um you know, has there been any backlash against them? Like, hey, you know, you've sold out. Yeah, well, people are. I don't. I don't know. I didn't really pursue that question, to be honest. Okay. Uh, you know, I can say one person I spoke to who kind of has done that is uh, is Dorothy Campbell, who does um, Cat and Girl, which is a, mm-hmm. a a great, very strange, very philosophical comic that has mm-hmm. a, a really big fan base and she's kept doing cat and girl but it's it's less updates you know she and she just she just flat out took a job you know like she yeah. did it, she did the webcomic for years and now she's working for bloomberg doing comics for them oh, cool. um yeah so it's like but it's a very sort of mainstreamish kind of job you know um and so you know congrats to her you know she didn't tell me i didn't ask but she didn't tell me that like her fans flipped out or anything but i i think i i hope that the 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 broader public understands that like people got to do what they got to do, you know? And, yeah. uh, and it's like, you can't, you can't hate on folks, you know? Um, I think also, you know, for some of these like old heads, you know, like um, Drew um, of uh, toothpaste for dinner, mm-hmm. you know, there's, he's still doing his comic. Uh, but uh, um, I should, I should mention a funny, like aside on that aspect is sort of a thing I got attacked on Twitter for. Um, but uh um, he's still doing his comic, but he, and, and I, this is sort of what Casey Green said too, is that like, there is a certain point for a lot of folks where, you know, you've done a comic for five years, 10 years, like it does get a little tired at a certain, yeah. you know, you're like, I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm making the same jokes. I need to enter into a new space. And, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, toothpaste for dinner has had a pretty significant drop in readership. Um, you know, Drew told me that and, you know, it's in the story, but, um, it's still, gets probably more readership than, you know, lots of web comics yeah. out there. It's very yeah. popular. Um, but he was just like, and you know, he's still like doing it and it's still going, but he has some other people involved now. 
And, um, and it was just kind of like, he was like, you know, I kind of need to do other stuff. I've got, mm-hmm. I've got other creative itches to scratch. And that's kind of what Casey Green said too. This is the funny thing on that one. So, you know, I, I report in the story, um, that he had said to me that, uh, um, <laughs> that he had some artists in China who were doing his artwork for him now and actually kind of helping with the writing. Right. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't double check that because it wasn't, uh, I didn't, it was a super big deal or he had a particularly strong incentive to lie about it but there was folks on, online who like were very like <laughs> like really wanted me to get all Columbo on it but like, like you're, why are you such a lousy journalist on investigating this and I was like I don't know I do tend to take sources at their word especially when there's like nothing in the public interest at stake <laughs> on this yeah. point like yeah. um, some people like wouldn't let it drop it was kind of funny but I was like well you guys <laughs> look into it if you don't think it's true I don't know wow it's a big deal to me but whatever yeah, yeah, it's um, you know, I, I'm thinking back. I, I read an article. It was on uh, uh, women write about comics, and and I, I talked about it before, but I believe um, I'm sorry if I, I, I have his name uh, mangled here. Uh, Ian Jones Quarterly, who did RPG World, hmm. uh, he'd actually. Yeah, he actually, I mean, he was crazy popular. His comic was crazy popular. And uh, he basically quit because um, fans were being very belligerent because he had, you know, work duties, school duties. Um, and he's just like, I'm done. I'm done. I can't I can't do this anymore, especially if you're going to scream at me, you know, if I don't post a comic for two weeks. And uh, now he's working on Steven Universe. So he's doing pretty well. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, and again, I, that just seemed to be a case of someone just like, hey, you know, th- that was great for that time in my life, but I'm sort of moving on, you know, to other other projects now. Yeah, that's too bad that uh, his own fans uh, drove him out of webcomics. It does it does remind me of uh, the story of R.K. Uh, Milholland, who does the comic Something Positive, and I, mm-hmm. I brought this up on in my second my second piece, um, Patreon webcomics and uh, and getting by uh, and. I sort of argued that you can make the case, though you know I didn't I didn't dig into other examples and other art forms, but you can make you can a little bit make the case that web comics kind of invented the Patreon model because mm-hmm. the same thing happened to this guy R. K. Milholland who had a decently popular web comic called Something Positive, um, and uh, but he had a job and and a life and stuff and he wasn't keeping up with his update schedule, um, and people were you know grousing about it and he finally challenged his fans. He was like look, guys, if you're that bummed about it, I, you know, I need about, I think it was like 30 grand in a year uh, to keep a roof over my head. Uh, so if you guys will give me 30 grand, like, you know, here's my PayPal address, uh, I'll quit my job and I'll, you know, I'll do the webcomic like crazy. And, uh, and people did it. And, you know, <laughs> um, and so he, and, and he's been doing well ever since. You know, so that's a great story. You know, sadly, uh, other people tried to replicate it and didn't really have that much success. It wasn't until... Um, Patreon kind of institutionalized it, that it really started working. But uh, you can, I think one of the things that is great is you can make a little bit of an argument that like uh, that web comics through Mr. Mulholland's story kind of, you know, did a minimum viable product of, of what Patreon became, you know, some years yeah. later. That's, that's cool. So where do you think, I mean, I know it's really hard to, to forecast uh, uh, this stuff, but where, where do you think the web comics business model will be in five years? Oh man, yeah, that's <laughs> tough. I well, so uh, where here's here's where I, here's where I think it'll be. Actually, I do have opinions on that. So I think a you're gonna see um, you're gonna see way more uh, web comics on ex- existing social platforms like Facebook and Instagram 
and Twitter, I bet they'll become popular enough that some of those platforms will have uh, done some coding and some design work to make uh, to make their spaces work a little better for those in some ways because they'll mm -hmm. see them as as useful. So I think that's one thing you'll see. Another thing that I'm actually really looking forward to, and I think you know, for example, Dorothy Campbell going to Bloomberg is a sign of this. Is you know, I'm looking. We all miss the days of um, you know the daily comics in our newspapers, which are still there, but just none of us are reading newspapers anymore. So we're sort of missing on that ritual. Um, but I'm I expect that we're going to see more. Uh, more comics artists getting employed within mainstream major online news sites mm -hmm. and doing more work for them. And hopefully at some point, some designer will figure out a way to kind of uh, give us that same, you know, daily strip experience that we once had with our newspapers, but in a way that makes sense for the web as we're taking in our like morning news or or whatever way that we we do that. So I think I think that's gonna. I think those are the two things I predict is we're gonna see um, we're gonna see design and tech updates on social to be more accommodating of comics, and I think we're gonna see um, we're gonna see a mainstreaming of comics within uh, mainstream like news and entertainment. You know the big ones like you know, like you know the Vox Network and yeah, New York yeah. Times and all and all that sort of stuff. I think I think we'll see those. We'll see them there. That's my prediction. That'd be very cool. Hopefully, uh, we have some new content, not just Peanuts reruns, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I love Peanuts. I love I, Peanuts. I love Peanuts. Uh, <laughs> do you have any advice for uh, younger cartoonists who are just, if you're going to start a webcomic today, you know, what would you tell them to do or not to do? Oh, man, as a, as a failed webcomic artist. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the guy to ask about that. Uh, you know, I guess I, guess I would say... Um, uh, really like pick a strategy and get out there and, and, and execute it on some specific social platform that seems to be what's working. And then, and then, you know, have a, have a plan to monetize from the beginning uh, so that if you actually do, uh, if you actually do make it somewhere, you can, uh, you can turn it into something, you know, I guess it's not very brilliant advice, but uh, like I said, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I just, I talked to some successful ones, but I failed on my own. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, we, you know, uh, we do uh, panels at uh, different comic conventions and people are, you know, ask us kind of that same question. And I, I'm at the point now where I don't know what to tell people. I really don't. Yeah. I, I used to say, well, just put it out there and you'll, you'll build an audience. But uh, I don't think it works the same way that it used to. So it's, yeah, I it's think hard. really the best advice is uh, if you don't love doing it just on its own, you just probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> like if you're doing it for any other reason than like, I really like doing this and I get a lot of joy out of just making the thing. Um, you probably just should, you know, go play basketball or something. If that's not what's going, what's working for you. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work for a questionable amount of payoff. So now I, I'm, I'm curious to see if anybody's actually going to retire uh, on the web comics business model. Oh yeah. I think some people, well, well they'll retire, uh, from fame and opportunities that they wouldn't have had if they'd never started the webcomic. It's the webcomic itself. Maybe the cyanide and happy guys. Nah, cyanide and happiness guys could probably retire now off of their webcomic. <laughs> Penny uh, Arcade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Those guys probably could too. Man, it's, it blew my mind when I was at New York Comic Con. Um, the, uh, I like cyanide and happiness. It's never been one that like I read avidly. It is, it's definitely funny, but I, I don't like, you know, it's, it wasn't one of my go-tos. Um, 
But, uh, I, you know, when I was near Comic-Con, like, the line for them was just, like, nuts. And similarly, when I was at Small Press Expo a few years ago, the line for Kate Beaton was just, like, out of control. You know, like, people are such that, you know, some of them have, you know, really built this crazy fan base. Awesome. That's that's good to hear. I mean, um, it's, it's great when you can do your own thing, you know, and, and, and get that kind of attention uh, mm-hmm. for it. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 gonna be really interesting to watch this over the next couple of years. Uh, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to call in. Um, yeah. I'm I'm gonna put uh, uh, links in the show notes uh, for interested listeners. They can go and check out Brady's articles. They really are excellent. And where else can people find you online? In the main place, uh, folks want more is follow me on Twitter. I'm at Brady Dale on Twitter. That's the main spot. And then you know I. If you, if you click on my name in any of those Observer articles that uh, that are going to be posting the show, that goes to whatever I'm working on lately. That'll take all. That'll show you all my stuff. So that's those are the, the two main places I'm appearing on a regular basis is on the Observer and uh, on comments on Twitter. Fantastic. Well, again, I want to thank you uh, for coming on the show, Brady. And uh, we're going to end it. All right. Cool. <laughs> all right. So I uh, well, yeah, thank you, sir. And uh, check us out. Uh, uh, subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Stitcher. And, uh, yeah, check out our own comic at uh, shadowbinders.com. Talk to you sure. later. Peace.